Hello, welcome to the opportunity today again to hear the Word of God at uh, Lansing Tab and indeed wherever you are inclined to watch this particular time of teaching and worship. We're very grateful to those who help us to produce uh, what we are able to put online and uh, we would just like to give a very special thank you to our brother Wren who works very hard to help us in this respect. Now today's a birthday and uh, birthdays generally uh, are times to rejoice. I know some people get to an age where they're perhaps not particularly keen uh, to celebrate their birthday but there's no reason at all why we should be shy or sort of unforthcoming about this particular birthday because it's the birthday of the church. The church had a beginning. One of the great things about the Bible is that you can see events rooted in history. You can have records about even the life of our Lord Jesus and uh, significant events in the Bible. Uh, they're recorded by historians that were not necessarily of a biblical inclination. And certainly in terms of the church's beginning, there is a very clear record. Uh, the Gospel writer Luke also was inspired by God to bring us the book of Acts. And it's great that in the book of Acts we can see, in fact, the way in which the Holy Spirit was working in the church. Now, before we uh, get into a little bit more detail, it's good just to acknowledge that this birthday is significant because it follows other events that were extremely important. You see, there's not much to celebrate in terms of the birthday of the church if you haven't also understood how our Lord Jesus died on the cross. You can't really have much of a celebration of Whitson without appreciating that Jesus rose from the dead. And again, it's not really... Uh, very realistic or deep or uh, particularly substantial to think about the Holy Spirit if Jesus hadn't ascended. So these events, they, they're not just sort of uh, insignificant, they're not just hang-ons in any way, they're deeply massive, massive things about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> now, uh, this time then of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit is important for us today. There are a few things that we can see in the passage that Roland read to us in Acts chapter 2. The first thing is, is that to notice that when the day came, the followers of Jesus were together in one place. That's really quite remarkable because after all, as far as they were concerned, when Jesus died, they thought it was all over and they could have run anywhere and everywhere. But somehow they kept together. And of course, when Jesus rose from the dead, they were very excited and they began to really take on board that it is very different now. Jesus is alive. And Jesus said to them, now, before the Holy Spirit comes, you've got to go and wait just wait and uh, a time will come, it won't be that long, 
but a time is coming when God's Spirit will come upon you and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So they believed it. They believed it. There was obviously a fair amount of fear around and, uh, and the way that the Pharisees and the way the crowd had suddenly turned on Jesus. That was uh, clearly uh, quite an unsettling time for the believers. But they knew Jesus had risen. They met him and they believed him. And so they went to the upper room to wait. We don't know a lot about this upper room. Uh, we believe it was probably the same room where Jesus had sat with the disciples and when he'd broken that bread and uh, shared that cup and spoke about his body and his blood that would be uh, shed for us. And so in that room there would have been some very powerful memories. It's quite possibly the same room that they were hiding in when Jesus walked through the door and into their presence. And it's that room that they're waiting now for the Holy Spirit to come. A little while ago, when I had the privilege of visiting Jerusalem, I went to that room, uh, at least as, as we believe it to be. And certainly one of the things that was significant to me about it was the way in which it was truly an upper room. And you can just imagine them running down into the street and just saying, he's alive, Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit has come, he's given us power. And now without any shame or fear, we want you to know this Jesus who you crucified, God has raised him from the dead, he's Lord and Christ. And so I can just picture that in my mind, but whether you can picture it or not, it's a true story. The Holy Spirit comes upon weak, timid, frightened disciples and makes them into uh, roaring lions for Jesus. Well, speaking about roaring, well, certainly when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says he came like a rushing mighty wind and uh, it filled the whole house. It was just amazing. We can't... Uh, perhaps adequately describe quite what the sensation of it was. One of the fascinating things about the power of God is that God can come in great power, but there's not necessarily any damage. I mean, normally a mighty rushing wind might demolish a building, but it's not demolished. And yet it truly is a powerful, powerful force that comes from heaven. And we're grateful that throughout the history of the church there have been times when that wind of God has continued to blow uh, very powerfully very strongly and uh, it's just great to read stories in different parts of the world where vast numbers have been swept into the kingdom of God as God's Holy Spirit comes convicting people of sin and righteousness and judgment so this wind comes and what we also read is that uh, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that settled on every one of them. Now, one of the things I think is very important about this passage and this event is the twofold activity of God's Spirit. 
It's a corporate thing. They're sitting in the room together, about 120. So they're all getting blessed and they can look across the room and look into each other's eyes and maybe they were laughing, crying. We don't know. But there was a deep, deep sense of the presence of God that was felt by them all. And yet the Bible is careful to say tongues of fire settled on each one of them. They were each filled with the Holy Spirit. So in the midst of a corporate experience was clearly an intensely personal experience. And that's a great thing because, you know, sometimes people uh, have the feeling, oh, there's this great move of the Spirit of God, but it didn't touch me. Well, that's certainly never God's plan. He can move mightily in a place, in a meeting, at a particular season. And it can be like uh, striking loads of people. And, well, there's something for you as well. It's not just for, as it were, everybody in general. The Spirit of God, he's poured out and he's poured out today so that you can experience him. You don't have to just look and say, oh, it's wonderful how all these people are getting blessed. And maybe you're watching events like Spring Harvest or Big Day Out. and uh, Or maybe you're online watching some of the great big churches, hundreds, uh, vast numbers of people. And you think, well, it's great for them, but it uh, doesn't seem to happen much for me. Today is a day to celebrate and receive yourself. God wants to, as it were, put a tongue of fire on your head, purify you, strengthen you, equip you to be the person he's called you to be. The wind of God will blow, but not just over the congregation, but it will touch you and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another phenomenon mentioned, and uh, sometimes this can be uh, shared in perhaps a way that's a bit controversial and unhelpful. But there was certainly a manifestation of a gift of tongues. What we see on this occasion is that this gift of tongues came upon the apostles, upon the disciples, in such a way that they began to praise God. And that's a very important thing. There was preaching that day, and it's highly likely that there was more than one preacher. We have Peter's sermon recorded, but in fact there were many others, I believe, who were speaking, and they were all declaring the praises of God. And what was so remarkable for the people who'd gathered in the crowd, people from many different parts of the world, Jewish people, but who had travelled in to be part of the Pentecost celebration, but they were hearing the glory of God, the wisdom of God, the praise of God in their own language. And they were fascinated by that. The word of God was being interpreted to them. It wasn't just a general thing again. There was something that was impacting each of them. And, and they just had this sense, God is speaking to me. Even though the language that I speak in my part of the world is not quite the same as people in another part of the world, or maybe very different, but God is speaking to me. And of course, that's still something that the Holy Spirit is able to do. You see, the Spirit transcends language. The Holy Spirit is more than just words. And people can sense the Holy Spirit and know the Holy Spirit 
and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because God is communicating to you and uh, speaking in a language that you can understand, which isn't just a kind of a learnt language, sometimes just the language of your heart, the Holy Spirit is able to speak. And yes, we know that uh, Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 12 and also uh, 1 Corinthians 14, gifts of the Holy Spirit, which includes gifts of tongues, the ability to speak another language, which can be uh, released in praise and worship to God. It's important that we don't find ourselves in that camp, which gives the impression that those who speak in tongues are in somehow some super league. It's not like that at all. It's a gift. And uh, people who have that gift should treat it with great humility. And uh, it's good just to say to Lord, whatever gifts you have, I am open. I'm not going to refuse any gift, but neither am I going to be so besotted and so seeking gifts that I forget the giver. Because that's the significant thing. Uh, it, it's all about Jesus and uh, the way the Holy Spirit was working. There was no sense of uh, some elitist bunch of Christians who could look down on others. That's far from what's happening. It's far, far more significant that what is happening is an activity of God that humbles all who are participating in it and that lifts up Jesus. If Jesus is mentioned more than anything else, then I'm happy and I'm sure you'll be happy too. When other things get put above Jesus, whatever they are, well, that's not very helpful, but it's great when Jesus is lifted up. Now, as these events are unfolding, the crowd outside, yes, they're quite intrigued that they're, they're hearing these languages, but some of them, as always, the sceptics and what have you, are oh, these people are drunk. And Peter answers that. He, he just says, no, look, this has got nothing to do with drunkenness. But this is because the prophet Joel talked about a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. He spoke about a day when God's Spirit would come upon men and women. He would come upon those in authority and with big position and those who have no position. He would come upon the rich and he would come upon the poor. He would come upon the educated and the uneducated. The Holy Spirit, he would be poured out upon all flesh so that everyone would have the perception and understanding of the goodness of God and the power of God. And uh, Joel said this hundreds of years before it happened, but it happened. And it's just very important with prophecy just to take on board that God will do what he says he'll do. Whether it takes a little time or a long time, well, we have to leave that to him. But uh, we see prophecies about the birth of Jesus. We see prophecies about the ministry of Jesus. We see prophecies about the death of Jesus, even the resurrection of Jesus. We see prophecies about all these things. But the important thing is that they all came true. And that the ones that haven't been fulfilled yet, even concerning Jesus coming back, well, that's going to come true as well. And that's exciting. What has been true in the past is going to be true in the future 
and Jesus is coming back. Well, all these things are developing. There's uh, pandemonium, there's excitement, and Peter is going to declare, as I mentioned earlier, this Jesus who you crucified, he is Lord and Christ. Well, you know, Joel said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel does indicate that uh, a day is coming, it's the day of the Lord, a day where there will be great judgment, everything's going to be brought to a conclusion. But while we wait for the conclusion, this is a day that we can seek and find salvation and forgiveness. And uh, Peter just speaks up so courageously about the Jesus who had been crucified, but who was now raised from the dead, and he is Lord and Lord of all. It's great news. It's absolutely wonderful news. And uh, we're able to rejoice in that news. And today we can have the same confidence that the apostles had to proclaim Jesus Christ, the only Saviour, the only God. We're going to make him known. The last thing I want to say about the day of Pentecost, we've talked about the preparations for it. We've talked about the significance of it. But it's very important before we finish to see the impact. 3,000 people coming to Christ in one day. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful thing. And you know, we long to see people come to Jesus. How many come? Well, we leave that to God. But the same Holy Spirit is working in our world and the same Holy Spirit that ushered 3,000 souls into the kingdom is able to do the same and even more today. Don't give up preaching about Jesus. We rejoice as the angels do over one sinner who repents. But we also look for a great harvest. In these last days, let's seek God. Holy Spirit, Come upon me, give me boldness, give me courage to be a witness for you. Enable me to move in any and every gift that you have in order that I might bless the body of Christ. And please, Holy Spirit, help me to lift up Jesus and to share the love of Jesus in such a way that many turn to him. May it be true of this church, may it be true of every true church of Jesus Christ, that we are a growing church. By the way, not through people leaving other churches and joining us, or leaving us and joining them, but primarily through people coming to faith in Jesus for, for the very first time. God bless you. Enjoy the birthday. Rejoice in the birthday. Rejoice in your Saviour and seek the Holy Spirit to fill you and to fill us all with the power of God. God bless you.